Hello and welcome to this next episode of the Lost Baggage Podcast. I am your host, Brian Whitmer. Join me, joining me today is the, head, the new head coach of Scotland, Matt Bagley. Matt, how are you today? Very good. How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing absolutely fantastic today. I'm happy to be talking to you. Um, so you were formerly the head coach of the English national team, formerly the head coach of the German national team, and now you have taken the job to be Scotland's uh, head coach, um, you know, heading into whatever championships we have next. Um, how, did, how did you get started? Where, where did this all come from? Uh, wow. Well, <laughs> it goes back quite a long ways, actually. Um, so I played uh, university lacrosse at Ohio Wesleyan. And I graduated from OWU went into the classroom, did some teaching for a few years in Connecticut, and then wanted to uh, explore the world and, and have some adventures. So a friend and I moved down to Australia, where we were in Adelaide. We played lacrosse there for a club uh, in Adelaide. And uh, after that time, uh, I got back to the States, and I think the travel bug had kind of bitten at that point. Uh, I, I really had, I wanted to see more of the world, and and so uh, I got a job teaching at a school right outside of London, England. Moved there, and once again looked for lacrosse. If there was any lacrosse around, found that there was. Uh, I played for a club team called the Well Counting Blues for a few years. Uh, worked my way up the ladder, played for Team England uh, at the twenty, uh, the, uh, the 2008 European Championships in Finland and the 2010 World Championships that were actually in Manchester. Then I switched over to the uh, coaching. I got the job as the head coach of Team England, was there for four years, moved on to Germany for four years again uh and now i'm with scotland so it's it's a pretty it's a pretty long journey but a pretty amazing one yeah you just you just kind of blew through like a career and uh the timer says like two minutes so so uh we'll, we'll kind of go we'll go backwards i also played in adelaide uh can you kind of describe for those who have not played in adelaide or played in australia uh, that was your introduction to the club system like you're an American I'm an American guy you're an American guy we play high school ball and then we go play college ball and that's that's a wrap uh you know club ball outside the United States is much different like what was I'm curious to your experience versus I'm, I'm sure we had some of a lot of the same experiences but tell tell people about playing in Australia yeah I mean First and foremost, Australia was was incredible. It was absolutely amazing, as I'm, as I'm sure you uh, you had that experience as well. Um, yeah, it was it was very it was it was very curious how in, in American sports everything is through schools, um, and if you want to play a sport in the off season, you can join a club, you know, club football or lacrosse or soccer, you know, basketball, whatever it is. Um, but the club doesn't have any sort of uh, physical uh, place, any, uh, a clubhouse, uh, a bunch of fields. Uh, it's, it's such a different concept than the, kind of the, the, the rest of the world, uh, their, their model of what a club is. So going down to Australia and being introduced to this whole uh, concept of 
here is, here is the club. The club has a clubhouse. They they pay dues. Here's their field. They share the clubhouse and the fields with all of these other sports, you know, cricket or Aussie uh, Aussie rules uh, footy, um, whatever the case is. Uh, and uh, it was, I think the, the thing that really struck me the most about it is the fact that there are these you get entrenched into these clubs and you have a couple of, of families that just tick over players generation after generation after generation. You know, you have uh, this player who plays at the club and their father did it before them and their grandfather did it before them. And you could even go further than that. You could go their great grandfather, their great, great grandfather. I mean, it, it's crazy, but all of these families who are at the club, form almost a, a much bigger family. And so it is, it's not just this kind of amorphous uh, thing that it, it, the Americans have, where if you're on a club, you're just basically on an email list uh, and maybe you get the kit and stuff like that and schedule games. Uh, but it's, it's much more involved uh, than, than that. And, and it really deals with uh, raising the kids in, in this amazing environment, this amazing loving environment um, where sports is kind of the central focus. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was, it was an amazing thing to see in Australia. And then obviously when I moved to England, it was, it was, it's the same thing. It was the same thing. So I, I love the club system uh, here and I, I really wish they did have something like that in the U S I've said that a couple of times. It's like, you know, I would, I wish U.S. lacrosse would make a billion dollars a year formulating a local based club system, you know, f especially for coast collegiate, coast collegiate, post collegiate play. <laughs> Had a hard time there. Um, but yeah, uh, I played for Woodville. My, and we, you know, we have, I actually have the sweatshirt on right now. It says nice. estab established nine, uh, 1899. Um, you know, I don't know. Owu was one of the older programs, but you know, I played at SUNY Brockport. We don't even come close to, you know, half. We don't even come close to half like that old. You know, this is a it's a it's a club thing that goes back, you know, literally more than a hundred years, and it's just you know something bigger. It's something bigger than playing on you know this team select or Maryland this or New York Elite ninety four whatever. Um, it's a deeper, deeper, more meaningful playing experience. And I, I'm really glad I got, had, you know, was able to have that experience. Uh, I, I feel like that puts me, you know, it, it's almost like, uh, you know, you're in the club, you, you are in the club. I feel a bigger attachment, uh, to this, to this, to this bigger thing, the thing bigger than myself. Um, and what you were saying, you know, about like families growing these kids, they have less kids in their youth programs. However, they have these youth kids, you know, if they, if they have someone's grandson, they have him for the next 30 years. They don't need a continuous recruiting class. If they've got, you know, if they've got little Matt Bagley at the age of seven years old, they've got him for the next 20, 25 years. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it, it's such a cool concept. It's such a cool concept. And, and I formed these amazing relationships uh, in the clubs that I've been a part of with, I played for uh, ETP Red Wings uh, down in Adelaide. And then when I came here, obviously I was with the, the blues and I still keep in touch, not only with my teammates, but I still keep in, I still keep in touch with 
uh, the moms and the, the the dads of the players who I played with, and even the 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 youth um, who were coming up when I was there, who have now taken over uh, the captaincy in the first team or the second team, and and uh, which is it it's so neat. It really is this kind of embodiment of what uh, you know. It, they they say it takes a village uh, to to raise a child, and and I really feel like the the club system in in Australia and in England and in other parts of the world is a fantastic example of that. Very very cool. So I had two god awful jobs when I worked there. Uh, I washed dishes, which actually did pay me like fifty two Australian dollars per hour. Like on the Sundays <laughs> at night, right? You got the penalty rate. You got like you know, the equivalent of like 45 American an hour to wash dishes. Um, and then my other job was I walked around the neighborhoods, like reading electric meters, like, you know, opening these old, opening these old you know, metal boxes in the back of houses. Right. And these giant godless soul sucking spiders would come out of these giant, you know, horrible metal boxes. The big huntsman. <laughs> oh, the hunts! Oh, the huntsmen are harmless, but they're terrifying. They're yes, huge. they are. <laughs> and the, 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 the ones that'll kill you are so tiny, you know. Yeah. Red so back. what? I mean, when you were working down there, what did what what did they get? Have you doing digging ditches or what? <laughs> that is a great question, man. Um, so there were two main jobs that uh, my friend and I had when we went down there. Um, the first was we were in a. Uh, <sighs> How did you like a, a sidewalk paver making company? Um, so you know, if, when you when you're walking down like a high street or walking down the, the sidewalk, you have like these massive cement paved stones, right? Well, that sounds you, easy, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and <laughs> we would uh, in the mornings uh, we would we, there was a huge like warehouse, and and we would get like a hammer and a chisel. And we would go in and we would uh, take out all of the the ones, the pavers that were made the day before. Um, and we would have to uh, chip off the metal framing of it and then he, like heave these massive pavers up with our bare hands and put them onto a pallet and then wrap them up. Um, and then the afternoon, then we had lunch and then the afternoon was spent uh, mixing cement in a, in a mixer pouring it into a wheelbarrow and then shoveling it back into these frames so they would dry overnight so that you could just do the same thing the next day. So <laughs> that was, we did that about, I think it was two or three days a week, um, which actually gave us, gave us some money, um, which, which was great. And there was a, there was a campsite uh, right nearby. And so to save some money, uh, my friend and I each just bought like a tent and a sleeping bag. And so we would just, you know, ruck up, pay our, you know, five Australian dollars to set up our tents in this one place that was right by the beach. And then we would go to bed at night, wake up in the morning, do it all over again, which is brilliant. The second job I had was that there was a there was a family at ETP who owned a orchid uh, business, orchid the flower. And they had done re they'd done really, really well. They were very, very successful. And they had outgrown their, uh, their, their premises uh, where they were. So they needed to make a new shade house. And so they bought this massive thing of land. And the, the guy who owned it, who was the father of three boys who were at the club, three, three players who I played with, 
um, he wanted to save some money. And so he's like, I'm not going to pay uh, a company to come in and, and build this shade house. We can just get some cheap labor from our Yanks over here. And so my friend and I, we built a shade house and that included um, digging holes for oh, yeah. holes, um, pouring cement, sticking the poles into the cement to make sure it it was uh, they were sturdy, and then stringing all of the shade uh, cloth uh, above. I mean, we're talking. I mean, this thing was like maybe an acre. I mean, this is huge. It was massive, um, with an olive orchard uh, right next to it. And so that is that's the other thing we did is we we built the shade house um, from from scratch. It was a bare field, um, but I'm really excited because. Uh, I just talked to actually a couple of the guys uh, last week, I think it was, and they are still there and the shade house is still standing. <laughs> it's doing great. So it's awesome to know that that my friend and I made something that has uh, survived the test of time. It didn't, it didn't crumble after a couple of years. That was my question was, is the shade house still standing? Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. It's flourishing. <laughs> because I can tell you those dishes are probably dirty and those electric meters have not been checked. <laughs> and I'm okay with both those things. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, so then, you know, following that, you know, because England and Australia have a very similar, almost identical club system. Um, move, did you move right to the UK from uh australia or there's a little bit of overlap you know yeah there was a little bit so um i i i went from australia back to the u.s um and i arrived back in i think it was december of 2004 um something like that so it was right kind of in the middle of the school year and so i had gotten a job at gold's gym as a personal trainer before I had actually left to go to Australia. So when I got back, they hired me back, which was great. Cool. And so I worked as a personal trainer for the next maybe eight months or so. Um, but all the meanwhile, I knew I wanted to get back in the classroom. I knew I wanted to teach. Uh, again, I, had, I really missed it. But then I also wanted to, 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 to see more of the world and to travel. Uh, Australia had really opened my eyes up to the the amazing benefits of of seeing the world and, and meeting new people and new cultures and and I loved it, and so uh, I, I had applied while I was training. I was applying to jobs and and I got a couple interviews and a couple offers from schools kind of a, around uh, kind of that east coast of of the U.S. Um, in New England, down into New Jersey, New York, uh, even down to DC, uh, which was fantastic. But I had actually heard that you could, there were, there were schools that were located overseas that you could actually teach at. And I was like, ah, oh, that's great. I'll, I'll throw my hat in the ring there. And I went to, uh, Washington DC where I attended a, like a job fair with, for Carney Sando, who uh, does a lot of the the, the job placements for uh, private school teachers, international teachers, and I was interviewed by someone who worked at a school outside of London, and I liked the look of it, and they called me up, and I had a couple follow up interviews, and then they offered me the job, and I was like done. So uh, I was I was in the states for about 
eight, nine months or so uh, before I then moved back, uh, back overseas. Uh, I, moved, I moved to England and I've been here ever since. This is my, this is my 16th year, not only overseas, but also teaching in the school uh, that I originally w- was hired by. So it is the same school. That was, that was going to be my next question. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, you yeah. don't, uh, you know, you don't honestly see, you know, I, I kind of figured you'd bounced around a little bit. I didn't know you were at the same school. That's, uh, that's some security. You don't hear that today. Good for you. <laughs> that's awesome. So go moving over, starting to teach in England and then just, jumping into the lacrosse scene, you know, did you just Google it or, you know, kind of fall into it? Did you have a plan ahead of time? You no. Know, well, I, I knew I wanted to, I knew I wanted to teach overseas. I knew I wanted to do that. Um, and I heard they had played lacrosse. Um, and so I had actually gotten in touch with a couple clubs where around the area. Um, and, you know, the, and remember, this was back, you know, 2004, 2005. So the internet was, was still in kind of the early phases. Um, and I didn't really understand, you know, distances and how long it took. And I couldn't really look that up. And, uh, I got in touch with a couple of clubs and they said, yeah, no, it's great. We, we'd love to have you down. Uh, when I got over here, there was one club in particular that was, uh, that kept reaching out and was like, Hey, can we help out? You know, do you need a ride? Do you have a car? We can, we have practice on the, you know, these nights at this time, you know, we, we can have someone pick you up and drive you to practice if you want that. So, uh, there was, there was a guy named Ian Ballantyne, um, at the blues who came and picked me up in the, in the fall of 2005 for my very first, uh, practice with the blues. And I loved it. Loved the guys. Great, great group. Um, amazing, amazing group of guys and amazing club, amazing family. And so I just, I, I was, I was sold. I was like, done. This, this sounds great. And then I played for the Blues for the next 10 or 10 or 11 years uh, and, and was just still at that club. So, yeah, it was it was very cool. That's awesome. And is that the same Blues that hosts the Blues Fest? Oh, you better believe it. <laughs> I've, uh, I have yet to experience that. That's on my short list. That's on my short list. You, it is, it is a, it is a tournament. It is a tournament that you will, you will never forget, or maybe you might forget. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's on my short list is to get up there. I've, I've heard nothing but things. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good way to put it. It is, it is such a fantastic, it's like, it's like lacrosse stock, you know, it's yeah. everywhere you, you play lacrosse all day, you go to sleep, everyone's sleeping in tents and, uh camper vans i mean there there is no hotels there's nothing like that and you just roll out of your sleeping bag the next day and grab your stick and you're off to your first game again you play another day and then you just do it again for the second night it's such an amazing such an amazing time that is that is right up my alley that that's what i want that's that's (laughs) my i want that That, that, (laughs) i'm hoping that we can get back to that very very soon um so we'll jump into the coaching section of it. Um, the tell, tell, give us your experience. You know, you had you know a gold medal co- coaching England in the European Championships, uh, a successful, you know, a, I, w- I won't call it successful or unsuccessful. You know, a, a quite standard finish for England as fourth or fifth in the world, um, and then you know going to the Ger- Germany. Uh, 
I don't re- exactly remember how they finished up in Budapest, but a very, very successful uh, 2018. Tell us about your past coaching experience and then uh, what you plan with Scotland. Yeah, well, coaching was something that I, I've always wanted to do. It kind of goes hand in hand with teaching. Uh, so when I was in, when I was teaching in Connecticut, I got my uh, start coaching. I mean, I was coaching wrestling. I was coaching uh, football or soccer. Um, I was coaching lacrosse. And then when I moved to Australia, um, part of what my job was, was, uh, was actually um, around the local area and introducing lacrosse to new kids and to try to uh, persuade them to come to the club and, and pick it up and, and see you know, if, they, if they really like the sport, if they want to continue to the sport. So I did a little bit of coaching there. I coached the South Australian under-17s team when I was there as well. Uh, and, and so coaching has always been a part of me. When I came to England, um, I, oh, I, sorry, when I went back to uh, the US, that, that spring I was in the US, I actually coached at uh, a D2 school called St. Anselm's. Um, and I coached with uh, Jerry Byrne, who is now oh. the defensive coordinator yeah. at Notre Dame. Who's um, He's such a great guy. He's a character. love him. Um, and uh, then when I came here, I started the lacrosse program uh, here at, at this school. Um, and so I was doing some coaching there. Uh, I was, I became kind of a player coach, uh, for the blues as well. Um, uh, around 2009, 2010, some time around there. Uh, and then when I retired from international lacrosse you know, after 2010, um, the, the, the current head coach, um, we were at a coaching clinic and, and he said, he told me that he was going to step down. He, he was, he had been in the role for a while and he wanted me to put my name into the hat for the head coaching role. And I was kind of like, really? <laughs> I was like, all right. I, I wanted to coach. I wanted to coach England. But I, I thought that I would put my name into the hat and be some like, you know, assistant this and work my way up to a coordinator and then ultimately work my way up to a head coach. I think that that would have been that would have been fantastic. That's how I kind of envisioned it. Um, but when he uh, encouraged me to um, go for the head coaching role right off the bat. I was like, ah, you know, what, well, it hurt. Sure. What the heck? Um, and wound up getting it, um, which was fantastic. And, uh, led team England in the 2012 Europeans, um, in Amsterdam to a gold medal there, which was, which was a phenomenal experience. It was great. Um, did, uh, the 2014 world championships in Denver, uh, where we came in fifth, which, yes, you're right. It was a um, it, it, it was a pretty standard finish in terms of uh, England, um, but at the same time, it was it was it, I think I learned more coaching that tournament um, than I have uh, for a while, or that 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 I have ever maybe. Oh yeah, go for it. Uh- the sixth, the fifth, sixth place game was against Scotland. It was, I, it was, yes, it was. It, it, do I remember that was a really, really fun game to watch? I mean, <laughs> this was, yes. I think, I think the animosity between the two squads has kind of calmed down over the years. Uh, but uh, it was, it was definitely a very, very heated game in 2014. Um, and yeah, yes, we, we, we did win by a couple goals, or England did win by a couple goals. 
Um, and it was a, it was a really great game. Just two really, really good teams. The Scotland team was stacked. They loaded had, that year. Yeah, uh, loaded, absolutely loaded. They had the the McBride brothers and and uh, you can yeah. cat. Yep. Yeah, it was just it was an amazing, amazing squad. Uh, that that was that was a game, but that was it was crazy because that actually was the tournament where um, we lost every single blue division game to start off with. So we went zero and five. We obviously lost to USA, Canada, and Iroquois. Um, we lost by I think it was UG Australia. Yep, yep uh, I remember that. And then we lost in double overtime to Japan by a, by a goal. Um, and so it was crazy that we, we were 0-5 and, and the guys were the, – the locker room was just it – was, it was in a really bad state. It was despondent. Everyone was, was really down in the dumps. But massive credit to those players – they picked themselves up um, by the bootstraps. We had a game against Germany uh, next, which we won pretty handily, if I remember. Um, and then we played Israel. Um, and that was when yeah. Israel was like really starting to make a splash on the international stage. And they had just a phenomenal team as well. And we went into double overtime again. But this time we came out with a victory, um, which was which was incredible. And then played, and that put us back into the blue division. Um, and we played Scotland for fifth or sixth place, and we wound up beating Scotland. Um, so we had, you know, we 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 started off kind of zero and five, but we we ended three and zero, which was a huge credit to those guys and to the rest of the coaching staff and everyone else who was out there um, that they kept their belief. And and I think it would it was. A huge learning experience for me as a coach, and 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 what to do in situations like that, and how I have to behave, and um and and strategies that you have to employ in order to, you know, gel that locker room together, not have them lose hope and and faith, and and uh, and, and see the tournament out. I remember, yeah, that that was the the top, what was it the the fifth to. Uh, you know, eighth place was absolutely wild. That that was my first. No, that was my. First. I went to the 2006 uh, World Championships in London, Ontario, as like a. You know, I was in I was in middle school. I think my dad brought my brother and I out, but um, that was my first championship there. You know, really, you know, as an adult, seeing seeing the championships and that those games, I I don't know if we've seen such a close. Because Japan beat you guys, and then they were squeezed out by uh, Scotland. They, by Scotland. By yeah, Scotland. and then Damn. so they dropped out of the blue division. Yeah, you know, in Israel, you guys played a double overtime game. You set up that 2016 uh, uh, European Championship. Like it was just nonstop. All those games were absolutely fantastic. I remember New Zealand was loaded. I remember yes. like all these crazy teams. Like it was, it it blew my mind. That was. A huge, you know, 2006 was like, oh my god, I've never seen anybody from Poland before. I've never seen anybody from the Czech Republic before. Uh, 2014 was like, oh, and they they can play. This is <laughs> I want I want this. Uh, I had been to the Czech Republic in 2014 before the championships, and then at the games at the gold medal game, uh, Charles Manning invited me to go play in Australia. So you know, while you guys were out there like duking it out, I was getting going 
as well. Like I, that was, that was huge for me. Those, that 2014 Denver world championships. I, I still, I loved that. That was an amazing week. That was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. So moving on from there, like, you know, fifth place, an absolutely wild tournament. Uh, if you weren't there in 2014, um, you missed out. Um, but 2016 in Budapest, you're now with Germany. Um, 2016 was also like, you know, I, I kind of just said it, but that was a very different feel. The town of Godolo, Hungary belonged to lacrosse. Like that was the European (laughs) championships was my first time in Europe, uh, really experiencing anything other than the Ali Herbeski Memorial. Like, so we're in Hungary, which is a strange place in Godolo, which is an even stranger place. Uh, tell us about Germany, your experience in Godolo. Uh, I'm sure we have a couple stories from there. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Too many. Um, no, it was, it was, it was great. It was, you know, Germ- when, when I came to Germany, um, uh, Rossi or Andres Rossband, who was, uh, at that point, the, the president of the Delax file, uh, in Germany, um, had kind of laid out and said, you know, in in previous tournaments, Germany had uh, Jack Cayley as a head coach, the the legendary Jack Cayley, um, and uh, Jack was uh, based in the states, and and he would come over, and it, the the team really had this feel of kind of a bit of a thrown together team. Um, they I think they only had something like two sessions that they would have before a team was actually picked. And then everyone would get together at the actual tournament. And so uh, Rossi really wanted me to take the, the England approach, uh, which was to get the guys together, to practice um, a lot, uh, to really kind of form or mold this, this team before we even set foot at the inter- whatever international tournament that we were playing in. And so I, I did that, um, which, was, which was fantastic. 2016 was was a bit it was it was it was tough because we had a good team we really did have a good team but unfortunately we were just the victims of a bad draw um we were put into a group with england um and so we played england our very very first game which was crazy because we think we were supposed to play in the afternoon and there were huge thunderstorms that afternoon. And it just kept pushing the game back and pushing the game back and pushing the game back. And I think we started the game at like seven or eight o'clock at night um, when there was no one else around. And uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was fun. They, they beat us pretty handily. Um, and, but we, we wound up winning out the rest of the, uh, the group that we were in. But because we had placed second in that pool when we went into the knockout rounds we drew israel the first game of the knockout rounds uh and we we had a good game against them we lost unfortunately um and so the highest that we could finish was fifth uh which we did do um but i I really i i would have loved to have seen if we had a bit of a different route and maybe face England or Israel a little bit later on in the tournament, um, at di- or at different points. Uh, I, I, I do wonder what it would uh, if if the results would have been different because we did have a very good team. But 
it was that that tournament was really this this uh, the start of this kind of brand new new look team Germany. Uh, and we continued that for the following two years. And we went to Israel in 2018 and everything that we were working on for four, three, four years, just perfectly synchronously came together. And we had a brilliant, brilliant tournament. Um, and I, I really think that we, we punched above our weight in a, in a lot of ways that we faced some teams that were phenomenal teams that had amazing players, uh, on their roster, but because we played as a team, because we were organized and we were disciplined and we knew exactly, uh, how to, you know, what this play was and how to jump from this play into this play and how to, combat this we had practiced for three four years and uh we won games at in israel because we were a, a well uh run machine a well-oiled machine uh rather than just kind of a collection of individuals who you're kind of you know they're, you're shaking your teammates hand the, the the very first day of the tournament being like oh i guess we're teammates for the next two weeks it's, it's a pleasure to meet you <laughs> we yeah. already had that um, that close knit bond and, and, and that experience and that practice, um, before we, before we ever even boarded, uh, planes to, to, to fly to the Middle East. So the, the result is absolutely outstanding. Uh, ninth in the world, uh, finishing top 10 with a, you know, like with the exception of one player, as I understand it, you had a completely German born and raised program. Yes. Um, and that's, you know, in my, you know, quote, we'll call it a line of work, um, domestic development, you know, really raising the bar of players outside of, you know, you know, the United States and Canada, um, is, is the mission. And, you know, for, to take a domestically based team to finish top 10 out of third, uh, sorry, 46, 46 countries. Something like that. Yeah. Um, and I, I believe you got your rank was even, you know, moved up after two teams were, you know, they, they finished, but they were not full members of, you know, then the FIL, now World Lacrosse. So I believe your Germany is currently ranked seventh in the world. Um, to finish ninth in a tournament and now, you know, obviously top seven in the world, that's an absolutely amazing achievement. You know, you were playing against guys who with big division, well, you know, big division one names, big, big, big roster additions. Um, how how did that all work? Like, tell, teach me. How, how did that all work? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Well, it's. Uh, I mean, I think what it really boils down to at the, at the end of the day is just cohesion amongst the squad. And um, it's you know I have, I have an assistant coach um, who was with me in Team Germany and is now currently with me with uh, Team Scotland as well. His name is uh, John Mask. Um, he played at Army and was the the faceoff guy at Army, and then played for the German national team as well. Um, but he's kind of dubbed this term called crew mix, um, and that's what we always go back to. And and you know, thankfully, there's quite a lot of players in Germany uh, who play, and so we actually had uh, a huge training squad. We had, I think, it was between fifty and sixty players. Um, that we would see every single weekend, uh, or sorry, not every single weekend, about uh, once every six to eight weeks, um, but spread out over you know three four years, and we were able to really see 
their development, what they brought to the team, not only on the field, but also off the field as well. Um, what kind of men they actually were, you know, how they fit in, what their camaraderie was with everyone, what, what their, how, what their relationships were like with everyone. And when we chose that final squad to go to Israel, we chose what we thought was the best team. It wasn't necessarily the best players. In fact, there were, there were players who were phenomenal players in Germany, great, great players in Germany, um, who we left, who we, you know, we said, better luck next time. Um, and, and we, we ruffled feathers. Absolutely. Um, by doing that, you know, saying, well, why take this guy here? This guy is much better on the field he'll score more goals or he'll do you know do this do that uh but we stuck to our guns and said now but this player does a but does a specific job for us he is really good at this at this job and he also fits in incredibly well with the ethos of the team and um the you know is is positive brings all these different things to uh the, the camaraderie um and yeah, and, and it it paid out. It paid dividends. So you know, it's it, I'm a I'm a firm believer in the fact that it's all about the crew mix. It is all about the crew mix. And if you if you can figure that out, if you can figure out a method to um, get those guys, get the right combination of guys together on a lacrosse field, and everyone knows exactly what they need to do and exactly what we're trying to do and buy into it. Um, then you're going to have success. It doesn't really matter what sport you're, you're doing. And, and we just were able, we found that amazing lucky combination um, where we had 23 guys who complemented each other incredibly well and, and we did great. Uh, my motivate, I, I have to, full, in the spirit of full disclosure, my, my motivations is, my motivations are coming from, uh, I am now the head coach for the Czech national field team. And I want that German success. I want that in the Czech Republic. Um, and, you know, quite honestly, you know, I was hoping to get that, uh, hopefully that success against teams like Germany and Scotland this past summer at the 2020 uh, European Champion. We didn't get those European Championships. Um, I almost, from my standpoint, I'm almost happier to have more time to prepare uh, I didn't, I did not believe that I had, um, you know, five, six months wasn't, they, they, they sent me an email in December and they said, you know, do you want the coaching job? And I didn't think I had enough time to prepare. And what you're telling me was I was right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if, if I was in the same position, I'd be saying the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And well, of course this year being what it was, we did, still haven't prepared. Um, you know, we still haven't gotten much done, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I want, you are where I would like to be as far as, you know, a coaching career. Um, you know, you're, you're working with the right teams, you're working with the right players and doing it the right way. Uh, I hope I don't make you feel too good with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to pump your tires too much, you know, <laughs> but, uh, we'll, we'll segue into Scotland. Um, and I'll go first because I was coaching with Scotland before you were coaching with Scotland. You know, I get to beat you to the punch one time. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I was the box coach along with Navi Mahal for the 2019 Langley uh, uh, World Indoor Champion, World Box Championships. Uh, and this was Scotland's 
uh, return to the box world championships. Um, spearheaded, of course, by uh, Dylan Kalman, who You know, there is no box lacrosse in Scotland without Dylan Kalman. Um, and you know, the leadership of Brendan Cook, you know, those two guys, along with my own efforts, um, Ian Murray, uh, a bunch of other guys. Um, but primarily, uh, we had this weird, uh, we were told no by the governing body of Scotland. You know, we can't go there. You know, so we weren't only trying to coach and develop a team. Uh, we were also trying to, you know, just go. <laughs> so yeah. we, we, we were having a, a, a hard time getting to the championships. We get to the championships. Uh, they've seeded us 16th, uh, and we brought a domestic product. Uh, we brought, you know, everything kind of shook out with the governing body, uh, you know, through the work of Dylan, Brendan, uh, myself, doing things we did not expect to do as players, managers, coaches, um, you know, weird, weird phone calls. Um, but we made it work. Uh, we had a, you know, we had a solid experience. We, we taught guys who did not know what box lacrosse was in a country that has no, what one box we found one, you know, Dylan found this strange roller hockey box exactly between Dundee, Edinburgh, and Glasgow, like right in the middle, uh, uh, uh right in the middle outside, uh, south of, uh, no, it's in Dundee. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but we finished 16th with domestic guys. And so I'm curious, you know, I'll put you on the spot. What is your plan to balance that 2014 stud, you know, world team, that 2018 stud world team and, uh, this 2019, you know, talented, although new domestic product of the world of the world box team, you know, what, what is your plan? Well, um, I mean, it, it, and you kind of you kind of hit on it. Um, it. It really it starts with the people behind the scenes. It starts with the staff. It starts with the coaches. It starts with the management. Um, and you've got to before you work with the players, before you even meet them face to face. There's a ton of stuff that needs to happen. Uh, behind the scenes before you have that first training camp. Um, and so uh, what I've done, and, and it's actually, it's actually been great that we've had this, um, that we've had this, you know, a bit of a bit of a break um, because of the coronavirus. I mean, the coronavirus itself obviously is, is, is terrible and, and uh, it's <laughs> created a, a lot of, um, a lot of sad stories around the world, but um in this respect, it was actually a bit of a blessing in disguise. I was, I was appointed um, the head coach of Team Scotland at the beginning of July uh, 2020, and I immediately set out uh, to build the staff. And, and we in the UK was in lockdown, uh, and, and so we we couldn't meet, we couldn't get together, we couldn't get the bring the players in and see what we had on the field. And so we had about two months or so. Um, to really uh, get these support structures in place and get a clear vision of what we were trying to do, what we wanted to do. And uh, we, we currently have, um, I think, all told with <clears throat> senior team coaches, with academy coaches, we created a, an academy squad as well, um, managers, physios, media, alumni, all of that sort of stuff. I think we have a, a staff of about 16 people. 
um, which is which is fantastic. It's it's incredible that we were able to get this many people, this many volunteers who who wanted who said yes, we we want to help grow the game. We want to help Scotland uh, reach that next level. And you know, one of the one of the very first things that we did actually was we we sat down as a staff and we created a mission statement. Um, and, you know, we said you know, what what. What do we want this to be? What do we What do we want to do? What is Scotland trying to do? You know, here, and we we had we met and we met and we created this mission statement, and it's phenomenal because whenever there is a difficult decision that we need to make in terms of how do we approach this, or we have this particular situation with this particular player, how do we you know how do we deal with that? We always go back to the mission statement. We, that, that is something that we just constantly go back to. What does the mission statement say? What does the mission statement say? And so um, that really guides uh, our, our our principles uh, and our ethos with this team. And you know, that's that's kind of where we started from. And and then it was just about putting you know structures in place. And and obviously with the pandemic that's that's you know going on all fall and and, and continuing to go on now. Um, with the UK back in in a lockdown, um, or at least England and Scotland, parts of Scotland as well, um, we were able to find a management platform that really worked for us. So now we're all signed up on uh, Microsoft Teams. Um, from an SNC perspective, we uh, put the word out and we got uh, this this app called Team Builder, um, which we had all of the guys uh, sign up to. It's it's a bit of a way for uh, the SNC coaches to actually say, you know, oh, here's next week's workout, and and you know, here you, you the advanced people, people who know what they're doing in a weight room, you guys can follow this program. People who are just starting, you want you follow this program. Um, and people can post what they've done as well. So it becomes a little bit of a competition between players. And, you know, we were able to put all those things uh, in place so that now that we're starting to interact with the players, we have all of our stuff in place. Uh, everything is is going smoothly with the obvious exception that we're actually not seeing them face to face, which is, uh, which, you know, you, there, there is no replacement for that, but we're, we're, we're doing the best we can with, uh, with what, with what we're given. Yeah. It's that. So you go back. So what is, the, I'm, I'm just, what is the mission statement without, without reading it verbatim? Like what is the mission statement? You know, I, I'm curious. Cause I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see here. The, the mission statement um, that we have is it really, it really just talks about um, how, how we, 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 we need to make sure that, um, well, it says that, 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 team Scotland is really defined by its, strong heritage and its culture and its unity and that the 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 goal of the program um is to build something uh that is based on character and and leadership and and personal integrity um we as a staff have put something in the mission statement saying that we need to make sure that we 
are working hard and that we're trying to be as professional um, as possible. The fact that we are all ambassadors of the sport of lacrosse um, and, and of Scotland uh, as well, and that we're going to uphold these these values kind of, you know, both on and off the field, um, really in order to to leave this this lasting legacy um, that we can then pass on to future players and coaches and staff. Um, and, and that really, you know, the, the, how it's worded and, and, um, and, and what we've done really allows us to, uh, use that to inform us of decisions that we make, uh, in the future, which is, which is great. Yeah. Because you've got, you know, a blue division, you know, what fifth in the world, you know, England down down south of you. You've got a ridiculously strong Canadian heritage um, presence in Scotland, um, and you have a, a domestic game that has you know ridden the roller coaster. You know, it's, it's a it's a university sport. It's a it struggles at the men's level. There are there's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, it's a it's an interesting. The only other country I can kind of compare it to is, is, is in Mexico. You know, you have, you know, whatever's going on in Mexico, but you have the United States and the United States, you know, heritage players right, right next door. It, it's difficult to, to balance that, you know, what, how do we act? You know, what, what is our, we're trying to leave it better than we found it. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm excited that you're there because I do believe that Scotland will be you know, left in a better place than you're finding it. Um, I, I don't know if I've ever, you know, spoken to the correct, I don't know who I'm supposed to speak to. Um, I will not be, um, continuing on with the Scotland box program. Um, I don't know if I was formally, uh, retired or whatever, whatever the, you know, circumstances were this year is not the year of, uh, you know, doing things correct. Everything is, everything is permitted this year. (laughs) (laughs) So I mean, in taking this, this check head job, you know, in, in, you know, the, the experience from 2019 was, was unique and it was, it was great for a hundred reasons. Um, but I, I, I am curious to, I'm curious to see, I'm happy to see what you can do with the Scotland field program. Um, what else, what, what else you got going on? Um, well, I mean, kind of, in, into that, we, we link the the two things together. Actually, is um, <clears throat> one of the very first conversations um, that I had was actually with um, with Brendan Cook, um, who is amazing, amazing, and uh, very very entrenched in the um, in the box program in Scotland. And one of the things that we talked about was we need to heal these two teams because, in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, we, we were, he, he talked about how there was a real big split. And, and I think that's the case in a lot of different countries where you have your, your, you know, diehard field players and your oh, field is the best. And then you also have your kind of your diehard box players. Um, when there's a, there's tons of, of skills that are transferable from one into the other. And, and you should really get the best side out that that represents that particular country and it was it was it was really sad to hear and i'm sure you you uh oh, yeah. experienced this of 
you know, these incredible players who you want to entice into the box program, but that were kind of like, eh, no, I'm fine. I'm, you know, I'm doing the field thing. So I'm, I'm cool. Well, I have the I have the complete opposite down here in the Czech Republic. You know, yeah. it's a box country, and yeah. yes. I say, "Hey guys, come play field." And they're like, "No, we're, we're good." Yeah. Like, no, no, no. I, I like <laughs> national team. Like, come on, like you're really, you know, probably I would say the second most talented, you know, or third most talented nation in Europe as far as the lacrosse players and definitely per capita like I would say your average Czech player is better than your average English player I would say your average Czech player is because it's a smaller number like Mm -hmm. a tiny little country it punches well above its weight um, in in the lacrosse world and I am I'll I'll admit I'm struggling to get certain players out to the field yeah and well what what we did um, is I actually asked Brendan to be a part of our staff um, in a managerial role. Um, and it was, I love that. Uh, uh, that's that, a huge move. Yeah. And it was, it, you know, wonderful enough to, to say yes. And, and, uh, and he's been helping us out for the past few months and it's fantastic because we've, we've spoken and, and we've, both of us understand that importance of, of having players play both, uh, box and field, um, because it, it, you know, playing more lacrosse is always a good thing. It doesn't matter if you're indoor or outdoor. Uh, I never understood that. It was the, you know, guys are like, Hey, do you prefer field? Are you a box player or a field player? I'm like, I'm a, I'm a lacrosse player, man. Like, exactly. you know, like Just, it's, it, it's the same stick. It's the same, exactly. you know, it's a different pair of shoes. That's all it is. And a couple, <laughs> That's exactly like, it. Um, and the, you know, the lovely thing is that having Brendan on board has really, um, brought, I mean, automatically, and I didn't really didn't even, uh, realize this, but it has brought almost an, an instant legitimacy, um, to this field program, um, where you now have these box players who are like, I'm, I'm going to try out for the field team this time around. And, and I, and I'm going to do my best once the European championships are done. And the next international tournament is the, I think it's the Euro box, right? That is the current schedule, yes. Yeah, the indoor box. So as soon as we're done with the outdoor Euros, um, I, I'm, I'm going to be pushing these field players to box. I'm going to say, you, you need to play. You need to play. You need to play this game. Um, so that these kind of t- two national squads that were traditionally pretty separate from each other all of a sudden start molding into, into one and we can actually choose the best team um, from a lot more, uh, a lot more players um, than we would have if things uh, kept the same. I think that that was the biggest thing that we, we were able to get guys and we said, Hey, if you put the time in, if you come to practices, if you do X, Y, Z, you will play for Scotland and we will take you to, you know, to the world championships. And these are guys who I, you know, don't believe would have made the field team, which was currently the only offering. And I mean, we didn't finish top, whatever we finished, we were seated 16th. We finished 16th. Um, we beat Hong Kong. Uh, the only one I'll, I'll kind of not brag about, we beat a first year program and we were a first year program and Hong Kong has the funding that Hong Kong has we have the funding of about uh, four paperclips and a 
stick of chewing gum. Uh, <laughs> we got very little support from our governing body. They got all their support from, you know, their governing body. Um, and we beat them. And that was kind of our, hey, you know, look, guys, you can do it. We can do it. And we got a lot of buy-in from, I hope, a bunch of guys who were going to be involved in the game, whether it's, you know, box or field, you know, whatever it is, Olympic, guys who I hope are going to be involved for the next 10, 15, 20, 105 years, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. So, all right. Uh, we'll bring this home here. Uh, what, what are you, I mean, coronavirus aside, what are you most excited for with this Scotland team in the, you know, we'll say immediate future starting the minute the world opens back up. Yeah. I, I mean, to me, it's getting together. Um, yeah, there's, there's been, we, we had, we were able to do one training session in early September um, before everything kind of shut back down again and, and restrictions got a little bit tighter. And I was able to meet quite a lot of guys, um, but not all of them. And I think that is what I am most honestly excited about is to actually get back on the field, see these guys face to face, shake their hand, figure out who they are, put an email address to a face in and, oh, you're, you're so-and-so. Yeah, we've been, we've been chatting for six months now. <laughs> how's, how's everything? How's, how's the missus? How are your kids? You know, like just being able to take a deep dive into the Scottish lacrosse community because the, the little that I've been exposed to through the national team, it's, it's been incredible and it is an incredible community. It's an incredible family, um, that, that they have up there. And I just, I can't wait to get more, uh, just more entrenched in it and, and, and learn about, uh, Scotland lacrosse more and more. Cause you're a player first, a coach, you know, second, you know, in your career, I'm a player coach, um, in the same order and we're not email people. We're not zoom faces. Uh, it's, I know that when we returned in the Czech Republic here, uh, to lacrosse, I've never appreciated the game as much as I do now. Um, I bet you had a pretty fun September session, but Man, it's gonna be really nice when we can all get back out there again, and you know, and, and do the things that we are, you know, best at. I, I don't know how to make a podcast or, you know, whatever this is, you know, the, this online uh, coaching forum that you and I are kind of cooking up. We didn't even get into that, but uh, um, that's not us. You know, it's 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 you know, we want to coach, we want to play, we want to do things on grass fields in sunny skies, and um, I'm I'm thrilled that you're with that Scottish program now. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, maybe we see each other on the on opposing sidelines in, in Bratislav, Poland, uh, sometime in the future. <laughs> That'd be great, man. That would be great. But, uh, Matt, thanks for joining me. Uh, I appreciate it. Matt Bagley, head coach of the Scotland national program. Uh, thanks for joining me in this latest episode of the lost baggage podcast, Matt, uh, stay safe up there. Enjoy your lockdown. We're two weeks into our, our newest lockdown. Uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me, man. Talk yep. to you soon. Yep. See you, brother. Bye.